Well, I suppose to get started, Shauna, it'd be good to probably introduce yourself to people who may be listening. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I'm Shona. Um, I am a personal trainer, ex-gymnast, yoga teacher, um, and I'm currently studying psychology. I have a uh, method called the Virtue Method, which is was really about combining all my experience in mostly like strength, fitness and, uh, and flexibility training all together. And then obviously I brought in the mindfulness aspects from yoga and my passion for yoga and meditation and Eastern philosophy into this sort of, uh, I guess, approach to fitness and wellness. So that's the virtue method. Um, and here we are. Is that, is that good? <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Cause pause, I think me and you have quite like, Kind of, I think I feel we've got very similar interests because like I'm I'm really passionate about women's health because that's all I focus on is women's health because you know my mum passed away like about 11 years ago and like she really struggled her weight loss like she was going through she done all the fads all the diets and like she was going through like perimenopause going through all this stuff her menstrual cycle and it was just for me like back then I didn't understand it but like you know she had known back there helping her but it was all just it was all about the fads the fads the fads the slimming clubs and it's probably why I've got such passion now to help, you know, females to understand their body a lot more because I think it plays a massive part because I think like there's been so much uh, studies, like everything around fitness, I feel has been always done on like men. But then when it comes to like, you know, women's health, even like, even like now, like 2022, there's still so much gray area. And if I look at like um, perimenopause as a, as a good example, like back in Ireland is only one um perimenopause coach in all of ireland like it's crazy wow that is crazy okay so, bad, so what were you a trainer 11 years ago were you into health were you nah so so i've 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 only been i've been a personal trainer for maybe six years so i, I was uh, in new zealand i was a personal trainer on the gym floor and then when it came to australia kind of came online then and i've just built everything from like scratch about two two and a half years and now we just focus purely on like, you know, women's health and helping like weight loss, fat loss. But I've got, a, I like going down the more holistic approach, probably same as you, because as we were saying before, like about everything nowadays is pushed on like, you know, carry deficit and all this kind of stuff. And we, that's where fat loss comes from, weight loss comes from. But like, there's a reason why someone wants to lose weight. Like someone just has to be a deeper reason. And I feel like that for me, like as a coach, People don't struggle with the diet. They struggle with like understanding like the reason why they want to feel a certain way or be a certain way. And then having someone then that can relate and support them. I think that's that's a, something that like so much people lack nowadays. Yeah, that's a really, really interesting insight there. Actually, it's a really good point because I have, actually haven't heard anyone say that like that before. You're right. People, um, they're not as aware of the underlying reasons behind why why each person wants to lose weight. Obviously, like there's the sort of outward social reasons that people are inundated with. Like we're always told, you know, we need to lose weight for X, Y, Z. And, and we're kind of, we're also, you know, a lot of the messaging is quite subliminal in that we get, um, you know, aspiring pictures of a certain body type. So there's always been an awareness around it. <clears throat> And of course, there's there's health reasons as well. But yeah, you're right. There's all there's much deeper intrinsic reasons for people to want to lose weight. And so it's like getting to that core because you, you kind of have to for that individual. And you also have to get to it because another thing that can happen on the other end of the spectrum is when they lose the weight, if they haven't addressed the, the underlying feelings in any way, shape or form, um, or even just acknowledge them, 
they'll lose the weight and then there's this kind of like wait why do I still feel not so great about myself or why do why what am I still lacking or what am I what's what is this feeling? I'm still, I, did, I'm not, I don't feel as confident, happy, sexy or, 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 that I thought I was going to feel when I lost the weight. And so that's a, a whole other thing. And so if you address it from the beginning and go, okay, we're going to lose weight X, Y, Z way, right? Or let's say there's one way calorie deficit, but <laughs> through different mechanisms or not so much different mechanisms, but different approaches, different pathways, then we also acknowledge the psychological and the yeah mental approaches to it from the get-go rather than like try to address it later. 100%. I think like empathy is probably something that's so lacking because I, I like for me, I've lost around 36 kgs. I've been, I've been the skinny kid. Then it was, I was the guy who was overweight. I'm at a point now where I'm good. So I've, I've been to all areas and you know, it took me, it took me about three years to lose that 35 kg, but like I went through the stuff of trying to do like just focus on the calories and calories and all that kind of stuff. And it wasn't until like I was able to realize, right, you know, I wanted to say lose weight, lose fat, but then had to kind of find a reason why. And for me, it was like going back to the start is right. I want to lose fat and lose weight, but the reason is because, you know, my sex drive is low, my motivation is low, my, my old thing for life is low. And once I could then acknowledge them feelings, then I was able to kind of work back and it, it gave me a bit more of a reason. But I think like on, social media now it's everyone has like gone down this this safe path of saying you can eat the food you want once you're in a carry deficit because they're afraid of being called out but then my point is that's fair enough but it has to go deeper than that because there's no point saying no let's say my mom who's like you know struggling emotionally mentally and even for me like someone says all you have to do is stick to a deficit you'll be fine but like unless you can like attach that emotion of why you want to lose the weight and lose fat people are always going to struggle because then you're tied down to all I need to do is stick to this number, eat you no know, Mars bars all day, and I'm going to be fine. And then we have the whole thing of like, then your body needing like nutritious foods for fuel. Yeah, exactly. I think like, so that, so I agree with you. And, and before when we were, before we, before we hit record, <laughs> we were talking about this and I a hundred percent agree with you and that there's this whole other, there's so much that you can enjoy in a healthy functioning body, right? Not just a body that's skinny or a body that's like skinnier, let's say. And while many health markers improve just through the pure fact of losing excess body fat, if you start to actually take care of like the nutrients that are going in and consider them, even just like making sure you're eating enough fiber in a day, right? Which let's say is like five cups of, of vegetable. It's, it's really like, 30 grams, I think for men and 25 for women, it, like understanding, okay, what, what does that mean for me in terms of what I need to eat then in terms of vegetables, in terms of my grains, all that sort of stuff is not an obsession. It's you going, Hey, I'd really like to take a nice shit every morning. And I'd really like to also have great gut health because that's also going to help regulate my mood. And it's going to make me feel better. If you have two people, one person eating enough fiber because they care about the nutrients going in and, and they care about the food that they take in versus someone who's just purely focusing on calories only and just eating to satiate um, even the sort of like hyper palatable side of their life, right? Let's say they're eating a calorie deficit, but they live on Mars bars and whatever it might be, right? They will still lose weight, but in terms of like how it feels inside, it's not going to feel the same as someone who's made the effort to actually consider some of those um, 
taking in some of those healthier foods. Like, I think everyone knows that, right? I think people do know that. We know it sort of, at least subtly anyway, um, even if people are too scared to talk about that online. I guess the one counter argument to what you and I are saying about sort of really promoting also healthy eating is that for some people, like they have to go, and, and I'm sure you can relate to this, is that you have to go layer by layer. So maybe it's like not worth freaking out people that are sitting, you know, with a lot of weight to lose and saying, okay, I want you to think about your deficit, but I also want you to think about enough fiber and enough protein and enough this and enough that, and make sure you stay away from too much sugar and blah, blah. It's like overwhelming, right? And then you mm. just kind of give up. So I understand that sentiment of saying, hey, let's like go step by step. So first, First month, we're going to just try and eat in the deficit. And that's all we're going to concentrate on. And maybe it is, as you said earlier, where it's like, okay, drop your Mars bars for the week. You know, like, let's see if you can just cut those out or like move the cookie jar away from the, away from the kettle and put it in a top shelf so that it's not a cue to action. Right. And whoa, suddenly, you know, you, you see this improvement. And so it's like, okay, now let's layer on something else. And so it's just like over time layering. So I do appreciate that sentiment. I just I think you're right on online, it gets a little bit lost. And so it just seems like there's this constant narrative around just focus on the deficit, the deficit, eat what you want, eat what you want. The reality is, is that all the, a lot of these people, these trainers that always talk about calorie deficit also consider healthy eating as well. Right. So it's just, they might just not say it. Oh, 100 and 100%, 100%. I love like that layer, layer. And that's, that's the same as that's my approach. And it could be a case of someone like rather than having, you know, two kinds of Coke, they might have one kind of Coke and one kind of like diet Coke and just making them small, small change. And even going back to like when we look at like the good foods and bad foods, there's no really good or bad food, but there is nutrient dense foods. And when, when I, but for me, like working with, you know, a lot of women, they say I've got a lot of females who come from other coaches that say and they've done really hard deficits. And then like they've been constantly bloated, they've been constantly constipated. And the big thing for me is like when you mentioned fibers, like having your green is so important, especially for, you know, for women's health when you're trying to get, when you're trying to get rid of like estrogen because it can only come really from sweat and from like going for a number two, like, and like so much like bloating comes from that, so much constipation. And I've got so much clients have come to me and just being bloated for like months and months and months. And as soon as I just introduce a little bit of fiber, a little bit of green, just some education, it's like, Jesus, I can't believe I'm going to the bathroom every day. I can't believe I'm not bloated. And it's just them small cues that I feel is lacking because it, when we look at, just say for me, I'm, I'm on a deficit now. I could eat Mars bars and I'd be, I'd be probably fine. But then when we look at like, you know, women's health, it's a different ballgame because just like fiber, if you're not getting enough fiber, you're not going to be able to excrete like estrogen out of your system and you're going to be bloated. So I think like in terms of male and female, there's, there's not enough information like the two of them are so different when you you know this when you know more about like the female body it's it's amazing what goes on and what like needs to make a healthy body it's crazy yeah, absolutely it is and also i think it's um something that i am always scared to talk about online as well but, okay i'm not scared to talk about it online i can talk about it on my on my page and and not be too concerned with with people and definitely talk about it in my community but one of the best pieces of advice I was ever given was um, by my therapist um, many years ago. And she said to me, Shona, I want you to consider, I was telling her about, you know, like arguments that I'd had with someone I was seeing at the time. And I was like, oh, and then he turned around and he said, you know, this always happens when it's your period. And I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. 
And I was like, I can't argue. That's true, actually. I do always have an argument with my partner around my period. And this is at the time. And and I said, but it doesn't mean that, you know, like the problems are still there and they're still real. I just have, I have a worse time kind of managing my emotion around it. And she said, well, exactly. And she said, I, so what I want you to do is just track your period. Now, most people are doing that now. I think most people, but many are not. And if you're not, I forgot that I'm recording on this phone. Sorry. Um, But if you're not, you have, you're just having these massive hormonal fluctuations and they're natural but that's that is what it is to live biologically as a woman you're going to have these fluctuations and they are going to impact your self-perception and obviously the your perception of experiences that you have with other people the issue is is that if it's really impacting your self-perception and you have no idea where you are in your cycle, you're just going to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And so then when you come to, whether it's weigh yourself or look in the mirror, you're actually going to see something completely different to what is reality. And, and, I'm, and I don't mean to sound like I'm saying that women are emotional and unrealistic. I'm just trying to say that you, our hormones have like such a profound effect on our psychology that, and, and like I said, our perception of what we're physically seeing. And so not being aware of that sort of stuff and how different it is, is a huge issue in our industry, hundred percent in fitness, because it's like, obviously so much of it is about how we perceive ourselves, and therefore like how much motivation we may have to train. Like that's going to be a huge, huge impact. So like I said, best advice for me was like to start tracking and start really paying attention to my cycle, my hormones, how it was impacting me. And what I started to notice was lo and behold, this pattern right before my period of like really feeling shit about myself and then trying in some way to put that onto my partner. Again, I'm not saying that everyone else does this. This was just my pattern. And if I don't acknowledge that in alignment with my fitness goals and my, let's say body composition goals, then I'm going to be all over the place and it's just going to have me yo-yoing really. Like that's the the truth, right? Because you're going to go, oh, it's not working I'm, I'm shit. I'm just going to blow the diet or blow the, blow the, you know, I can't be bothered. This trainer sucks. This program sucks. You know what I mean? Like all of these different things that we might feel this one time when our hormones are in a different place. Oh, hundred percent. And that's one thing that a lot of my clients, once they can understand, like, especially progesterone, because you got two hormones, like yin and yang, one calms you, one like sends you to anxiety. So a lot of my clients, once they understand their cycle, they're just, they're in control because they know that right on less emotional phase, Projection is going to peak here. Maybe I, maybe I should go for the interview like in two weeks time rather than that week. And I've had a client who, who because you understand their cycle, they might went for an interview a week after and they feel like on top of the world they've got the job. I've got some clients who've gone for an interview on that part of the cycle and they've just they've just crashed and burned. And one, I love I love when I take on new clients and they they understand their cycle and they're in control because. Then, like, it's not just, you know, because I have people who will say, oh, my boyfriend tells me hormones. And, but then once my clients can understand, like, what the hormones do, like, they're like, they're, it's like they've gained a superpower. And that, to me, is yeah. such a good feeling, like, educating people on that. Yeah, it's it's huge. It's really, and this is the thing, is, like, there's such a, as we were saying earlier, there's such a huge psychological component to all of this that has been really missed for a long time. And it's starting to, I, I think it's starting to come back in, but obviously, it's outside of the scope of, of many of us as personal trainers. But the interesting thing about being a trainer is that you get such like 
access to someone's psyche very in a really strange way like i don't know if you you feel the same way but i always found it so interesting particularly when i was working one-on-one -on -one with clients in a gym and i did for many years i've been a trainer for almost 15 years now and it, it was really strange to me the type of relationship that you develop with people because they you see them at their most vulnerable right when they're exercising and they're trying to you know they have a goal and so they're sweaty and they're falling over the place and like they, they feel insecure and they, they're get you know you're trying to push them so obviously you need to push them to the point where they are vulnerable right because they are going to be trying to push some kind of strength adaptation or cardio or whatever it might be and so I always find it's funny, like on, on the gym floor, like sometimes the, the stuff that will come out of their mouth is so honest. And so mm. it's so raw and so beautiful. And I love that connection that I can have with someone that, yeah, you, you have this relationship with your clients that I just don't think that even psychologists sometimes have, right? Even though when you go to see a psychologist, you're seeing a psychologist purely because you're like, okay, I want to entrust you with my emotions, but people still bring a lot of their like, well, I'm going to tell you one side of the story only, or I'm going to tell you this, but to your trainer, you don't, you're not there for that reason. So you don't really mind. And so you might mind about telling them about what you ate last night, but in terms of like this emotional stuff you're going through, sometimes you're not really that concerned. You're like, oh yeah, and I had a fight last night with this blah, blah, X, Y, Z. And the reason I bring this up, sorry, I'm, I'm getting to a point here is because, yeah, like I said, as trainers, we get such interesting insight into someone's like emotional psyche and how it can then impact their fitness, right? Even in that particular, just that session, right? I would often ask my clients like, Hey, how are you feeling today? Um, and like, try and get some sort of information out of them. Not because I'm nosy, but because I was like, okay, maybe I'm going to modify the program just so ever so slightly. Like, maybe we're not going to try and hit that PB today. I wouldn't necessarily tell them, but it was more like knowing, okay, well, their psyche is going to have an impact. Or maybe it would be the other way. And it's like if they have had a bad time, but I can see that they're working well. I'm like, oh, actually, you know what? We're going to push it today because they're feeling vulnerable emotionally, but I know that they're physically they're doing really well. So let's push it and that will give them a bit of a boost, right? So it's just, I don't know, the personal trainer client relationship is very, very interesting. And definitely, I think the fitness industry would do well to try to incorporate more of this stuff. I don't know how, because it's a lot, but trying mm -hmm. to incorporate it would make, would make a huge difference that's a it's a good point because for me like i have i always tell people like my clients that i like i never when i get new clients i don't get new clients i always get new family members and i always stick to that saying like, i don't gain clients i don't i get family members and same as they i don't need new clients i just need an extra family member and like because when it's like when someone like comes comes to me like you know they want to come to lose weight lose fat and that's all i know but then once they get to know me once they can you know build a trust then they can help them like see deeper because i feel like yeah like the, the thing like with like the calories in and out it's you know i know james was a, he was a big push for that and that it was a massive for him to get that across but now what's happened is like every coach on their dog is like it's gone down this safe path because they're they're afraid they're afraid shitless of being called out by doing something else yeah. and you know you know what james done was amazing because it got so much people more educated about the principles of energy, energy balance but now we have to look at there has to be emotion involved like for me to lose my weight i needed emotion with a coach and for my clients like once i can connect with someone's like the emotion like understand what they're going to understand their pain points understand like how they're feeling 
then you can help them get through stuff because when you've got a coach who like just is a calorie deficit, here's your calories. You need to just do this, Mary. Think of you know you just need you need it you need it want it um want it um enough. Then it just doesn't cut it. Whereas no. I think like when you give like show empathy as a coach and actually feel feelings, then like my clients, I, I get my clients some unbelievable like transformations physically, and mentally. I think that's the most important thing is. For me, like I'm really big, like on nutrition training and mindset, because I think them three areas together, probably similar to you, like then you can change someone's whole life and not just change someone on body image. Because I think like health and fitness now is looked upon like, oh, you know, you need to be shredded or this, that, and the other. But I think like health and fitness is about like everything is about having better sex life, relationships, all that kind of stuff. All of it. I agree with you. I think you make a really good, yeah, I think you make a really good point about it. It all, it's like the, the, the calorie deficit information, everything that James Smith like really tried to like bring back to the forefront of people's minds was actually really necessary and important because it was going into the other direction. And it was like, it was just more confusing for people actually, because they were like, do I need to be keto? And then also, especially in Australia, um, there, yeah, it's, and it's still here. There's this real push for, you know, whatever it might be like adding coconut oil to your smoothies and like a date and some coconut oil and maybe an avocado as well. And people thinking that they're going to be as skinny as the wellness influencers making those those things. And that that's the the key is that, Oh, I need to eat fat to burn fat and all those sorts of confusing things. Whereas like, it's like, Oh, here's the actual truth. Um, I think the reality of bringing psychology into it, um, and I've had conversations, James and I actually once had an argument because I was like, oh, there's so much psyche stuff to this that isn't, that is ignored. And there's much more to fat loss than just, you know, a calorie deficit. And we had a big argument about it. I actually, Darren, Darren had to like, was like, chill. <laughs> um, but his, and, and I understand his point of view. Um, and, and I think he understood mine as well. It was just, we kind of were like, maybe we, we take different, um, I'll explain what it is first. So basically his argument is like, it doesn't change the reality that you still need a deficit. And I'm like, yeah, true. But we also need to acknowledge that there are deeper reasons. And his argument was saying, well, I, as a trainer, am not qualified to talk about those reasons. And there's a huge amount of people that just don't know that all they need is a calorie deficit in order to lose weight and they don't need to be going into their childhood to figure out all these things. And my argument was that I was like, well, the problem is, is that if we don't even ask them to kind of break that stuff down, then there's not even an acknowledgement that the psyche has any sort of relationship there. So we kind of like, it's not that it was like a huge, I disagree, you disagree. It was just that I was like, I feel, I feel really passionate about trying to bring the psychology to the forefront. Right. But I agree with the calorie deficit community in that it doesn't, even if you acknowledge the psychological factors, it doesn't change the fact that you still need a calorie deficit to lose weight, right? So it doesn't matter how sad, angry, resentful, how much you got going on in your past, at some point, you're going to have to accept that there needs to be some sort of deficit in what you're taking in if you want to lose that weight. And particularly for people that, you know, sit in that have overweight or have obesity, that there needs to be this like acknowledgement that yes, I'm going to have to embark on that. 
but maybe at the same time, it's about kind of going to those places that maybe they don't want to go to psychologically. And again, that's not for a trainer to address necessarily, mm. but I do think that trainers need to be aware of that stuff. And they're not. <laughs> no, and I'm not, not you, but I mean, just like generally speaking, it was even in, you know, your certification, your cert three and four, like there's not even a touch on that. And maybe no. there is now, but there wasn't when I did my training. And that's a that's it's it's such a savage point because I think like I think like nowadays like everyone is drilled on, on emotion and feelings and empathy and everyone is like getting more in tune with emotions and you know when we look at that whole thing is like there's so much people like I I done a post yesterday like, so much and this isn't a dig at trainers whatsoever but for me it's like so much people haven't gone through like them circles so much like people who are have been naturally at leg all their life have been always well built and they're a PT that but for me like. I've been on the gym floor, I've been overweight, I've been the skinny, I've, I've seen my mum struggle, you know, I've, I've, I've experienced an emotion. I think when you can connect with someone with them same emotions, it just means that someone can trust you more and, and you know, can actually get results. Like, and another thing for me is what I, what I like doing is this whole thing is about calorie deficit. But my whole thing is like, is everyone is trying to cut their calories as low as they can. My whole thing a lot, my clients have got, like great results like how can i raise or be more higher like rather than try folks and cut your calories too low how can i raise my be more higher and a good example is like with pcos i've got a few clients of pcos and when you go to google it's like pcos reduce your calories by 40 percent all the stress whereas for me it's like how can i re-engineer that rather than trying to cut your calories let's work on like getting your bmr to the point where it's higher so if i can get all my clients like to get stronger to like get more mobility and just build more muscle it means that their body will there be a more rise and then there, they'll be in a deficit but they won't be in such a low deficit like i've got clients that client to finish two weeks ago and she came to me from another coach and she was on like 1350 calories but when she left me she done 12 months in, in my with me coaching and she left like she's in sydney and she's on 3100 calories and like she's like went from 86 kg to 64 kg dropped two dress sizes but she's at a point now where her being more her maintenance level is so high that she's in such a healthy place like for the rest of her life so good so good yeah and that's and that's huge and that and that still is a huge weight loss transformation but it sounds mm -hmm. like it, it's obviously a transformation in her entire approach to everything as well and just being able to eat more like everyone loves to be able to eat more i think and i think for me that's a it's a it's a good way of looking at it is trying to get people like to get stronger and it, like, help them understand how because what people is people go on these really hard diets and then all of a sudden eventually if they stick really hard the body will adapt if they're sticking to a deficit but there's only so far you can keep on going down whereas if I, my goal is for my client is to make them leave me with feeling amazing but also get to the point where like their maintenance level has gone higher than the first started because i think that's a for me i think that's such a healthy like place to be as you can like be strong or have more muscle that you can actually eat more food and not be in such a low place yeah i agree with you i agree it's yeah it's definitely huge and it's probably something that it's probably something that no one really speaks about enough either like because it can be kind of complicated thing to get someone to you know to raise their BMR, all that kind of jazz. But what, like, what's your opinion on that? Would you say in terms of like that method? Well, well no, no. That I mean, that that's obviously that's. I would say that that's the goal, right? For most people in the transformation, it's not just to lose weight. It's actually yes to increase their BMR so that they're capable of like at their resting to be able to consume more, right? I, I think the issue is not the science of that. It's actually, and I was just I was having this experience as I was writing 
a nutritional portion for my program. I was going to put it in the current home workout program and I was writing all these things to, so that people were understanding how to count their calories and how to like understand their metabolic rate, their basal metabolic rate, and then understand like their TDEE and like all of these different things that I wanted them to understand. Super simple for you and I, because we understand them and have been doing them for so long. But, and, and to me, I'm like, oh, do I make this simple for people so that they can do the calculations as well? And the, the reality is that, yes, I do want people to be able to do that. But what I found was that I was like, man, like Susan, single mom, three kids, like super busy taking care of, of everyone and finding a small portion of her time in her day to take care of herself probably doesn't want to spend too much time considering, you know, her total daily energy expenditure mm. and like counting calories and counting this and that. So it's like, okay, how do I make this stuff easier? And at the same time, how do I do it in a way that doesn't get her obsessed with calories? Because these are the two things that can happen, right? Usually it's like you either get super obsessed and then you're counting everything and you can't enjoy food anymore because everything is a number in some way, shape or form. And then there's the other side that um, that is just like, oh, no, nah, that's not for me. And I completely give up, right? There is a healthy middle way for sure. And I don't count calories personally, but that doesn't mean I don't have an understanding of like, where roughly I need to be in terms of how many meals I might consume a day. And that's only because I've been doing, you know, this for a long time. So it, I, I decided not to actually put it in there. And I thought what I'd rather do is a whole program where it's just based on like, we have a, a psychological component that comes in so that people aren't so much heavily focused, particularly because my, my products are going out generally speaking, whereas you're working with people one-on-one, right? And mm -hmm. so that's awesome because you're able to actually be like tailoring things to, yeah. to different people each along the way, and particularly because they'll have like transformation psychologically along the way too, right? So you can cater to those changes that people will have and those different perspective changes that they'll have that go along with calorie deficits and, and everything <laughs> that comes mm -hmm. that comes with the whole process of understanding nutrition. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like... I think it's not that I don't, it's not that I don't agree with that approach. It's just that I was like, oh, I just don't know how to come at it from a perspective mm -hmm. of like trying to make it really easy and palatable for people, excuse the pun. Um, but at the same time, be true to the science. Yeah. It's hard, right? Like I can't, I can't make oversimplify it too much. Mm. Um, but it's just every time you look at the research, the research is like, if you have people counting for long periods of time, like it just doesn't point into the direction of anything that says that they just are like, it's super sustainable. There is one study actually um, that was, oh, I don't have it on hand, so I'm not even going to try and talk about it because otherwise I'll butcher it. But it basically <laughs> was showing some promise that there are some healthy individuals who, if they never previously, particularly in childhood, like teens, younger years, if they didn't previously have unhealthy eating, disordered eating patterns, that there is a possibility that they won't even through dieting and tracking. But it was a very small study and it's a very small amount, but it's still promising if it can be replicated. And the problem with science is that it's not a problem. It's just like the reality of it is that it takes many years for us to really be like, okay, it looks like this is a thing. You know what I mean? So we're kind of going on anecdotal stuff. No, it's, it's it's such a good point, and probably same. Like, I, like I've got a lot of clients who want. I want to get to a point where you know, they're at a point where you know they're eating more food, never like in the kind of step away from calories. Like, Lane's a good example. She's back home in Ireland, and 
you know, she finished a few weeks ago and she's consumed like 2,600, yeah, yeah. calories and she was on low calories for me. And the whole thing is like, now it's like, she doesn't track because she's in such a good place and she's done the hard, the hard yards. Like, you know, but I think like the, the thing about that is like, what I found is that like, so much people are so afraid to actually eat more food because they've been so drilled into like, you know, deaths to deaths of that for me, right. Cause I've got a mindset coach works for me as well. And, and I get a guest speaker in once a month, like psychological, uh, psychologist, uh, training each month of my clients because i think it's so important but like to, to to help people understand like the increase of food can be it can be hard because so much people are so used to i can't eat more food because my previous coach johnny there had me on 1200 calories and i can't increase i need to be in deficit and once but once i can once people can trust you and understand like i've been there before i've been to a point where I remember when I was dieting, I was on like something like stupid 500 calories. My coach, crazy. And now I've got a coach now, I'm on 3,500 calories. Like, you know, I'm just, I still can't seem to gain weight. It's crazy. But <laughs> it's like so much people are so afraid to like increase the food because they've been so, and it's it probably, it's probably like doing more harm than good. Like when people are feel that they have to restart. And that's why I like the approach of telling my clients, okay, this is how it happens. But the goal is that ideally you want to be eating more because I'd rather explain it from the get-go because a lot of people kind of will think that they need to always cut their food really short to get results. And I just say, well, that's the science. That's how it's going to work. But the whole goal for us is for you to have more food than you ever had before and just feel good in your own skin again. I think once can people can see it from a different lens, it makes more sense rather than saying like, oh, cut the calories, bang, bang, bang. And then like, you can't decrease because you're going to gain weight because people know the signs of how to lose weight but then people don't know that the, the science and behind the science of like you know you lose weight fair enough but you want to get to a point where you're back at a healthy place eating food and not having to track calories and track calories when you want every you know if you have an event or something like that i agree i agree with you i i think that's huge i think um it's really tricky because like i had a conversation with my dad recently who was talking to me about i was sort of saying you know I really encourage people to like exercise as well and I'm trying to get him to exercise more because he's just like he wants to lose weight first and then exercise and something that I had never considered actually and this is because um I've never in my life only when I was in I think I was in oh someone at my door hang on can I can we pause this can I run yeah. away can we yeah. pause it two seconds yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, I forgot it was your birthday. Happy birthday. Happy belated birthday. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so yes. So um, right. I was having this conversation with my dad and I, I hadn't considered it because, you know, I, I grew up as a gymnast. The only time that I was bigger in my body was when I was in year nine. And that was a clear hormonal change in my, in my life. It was like true puberty. And it was a big changeover. And it was also around the time that I'd stopped gymnastics. And so just a whole bunch of stuff changed in my life. And then got, was like still into gymnastics, but mostly into dance. And so like lost everything and then it just changed again, right? So hormones balanced out, wasn't so much going through puberty. But because I'd never experienced it, I've never experienced what it is to be in a bigger body and a body that you don't feel is normally yours, right? Or, and so my dad was explaining to me, I said, dad, I want you to exercise as well. And he was like, the reason I want to lose weight first through my food is because he was like, it just doesn't feel comfortable to exercise. He's like, I don't feel like myself. It feels uncomfortable. I feel when I'm doing it, it's making me hate exercise because I can feel you know, my stomach or I can feel my, 
different areas that never used to have this size now have this size. I feel my chin or I feel different things. And it was something that I hadn't considered. And he said, the problem with that is that I don't want to always associate exercise with something that I hate because he's like, I come from a sport background. I, I want to love exercise. Mm. Um, and I normally do, but at this weight, I don't. And so I think that's something that maybe a lot of trainers that haven't been in that experience won't understand if, if they're coming from, like, as you mentioned before, there's a lot of trainers out there that maybe don't have the experience of what it is to lose weight and to, to have, be in a bigger body and then a smaller body. They come from just, you know, they, they finish high school genetically just slim and then they just go straight through and they have no experience in what it is to kind of push through that. And so they're just like, come on, you either want it or you don't. And it's just, it, it lacks that empathy. And I guess you mentioning your story, you're like, you've been skinny, you've been overweight, you've had all these experiences, you understand what it is. And so, I mean, I know this is your podcast, but I, I feel like I want to ask you, like, what are your thoughts on that yourself? Oh, that's so true. I disagree. I remember like being in New Zealand, like, I remember when I was at my heaviest, like 115 kg, I was a PTG in floor. remember like, it was like 30 degrees outside. I'd wear a hoodie, had a jacket on because just didn't like my own skin. And like for me to work out, like I used to love rugby, just love rugby. And I got to stage where I just didn't want to do rugby because I was getting shin spins and I just, I just felt everything wobbling. Mm. And like for me to work out, like, you know, I was taking these, these pre-workouts, I was checking all this stuff, these fat burning pills fat to, try get, yeah. to try to get me motivated. And I just couldn't, like, I, I started to hate exercise. Now what? Now I absolutely, I love CrossFit. I love BJJ. I love sports. Whereas back then, because, you know, I just couldn't, I just, I, I found it hard just to look in the mirror, especially when you're in the gym and you have all these mirrors, mirrors everywhere, mirrors and people. Yeah. And you just, yeah. you just, you just don't feel like yourself. It just feels absolutely horrible. And like, I, I just, I resented exercise for so, so long. And then what happened is what, what I found is that I was, I was trying to link exercise with, you know, with, um, with weight fat loss, loss. Yeah. weight loss, yeah. you know, oh, I need to go to gym. If I don't go, I can't just, if I don't go to gym, I can't lose weight. And then what happened is I went to the gym to try to lose weight, but then I ended up hating exercise because it was associating this with weight loss. And then it was just, in this negative spiral it was crazy and the big thing for me is like my client is like just do something you love like you know don't exercise to lose weight exercise like to feel good it's like when it's like when you have sex with someone you have sex with someone because you have a connection because you want to feel good feel int intimacy you don't exercise like to burn 100 calories you know or to have sex to burn 100 calories and when <laughs> you know when you can when you can um exercize like just to feel good, to feel better. Even if it's only going for a walk up the street to see your auntie, like something like that, just simple. You kind of learn to try to fall in love with the process rather than the outcome because people like fall in love with, you know, they fall in love with, they, they tend to use exercise the way to, oh, I need to do this, to do this, to get big arms and all that kind of stuff. Whereas you end up hating it. So I think like it's such a valid point for your dad, like it's, and I can relate so much to that. Yeah, it was really like, yeah, I feel like it's one of those moments I'll remember for life just because I can't even remember where we were standing when he said it. And I was like, oh, shit, it was one of those like light bulb moments for me because I realized I hadn't I hadn't considered it. And it was only recently. And, you know, here I am on my Instagram, like constantly just being like, come on, guys, like I want you to train. And I don't really subscribe to the like, you know, you're making excuses, just do it kind of um, thing. I've always been trying to separate exercise from from weight loss because a it's it's not that 
effective necessarily I mean like compared to you know watching energy balance overall as opposed to like just your exercise activity thermogenesis just contributes very small mm. to obviously I know you know this I'm just saying for everyone else you know your non-exercise activity thermogenesis is much higher so the, the calories that you'll burn or the energy that you'll burn <clears throat> just like you know, doing the laundry or like flicking your hair back and forth and what fidgeting and doing all kinds of things will contribute more overall to your total daily energy expenditure than exercise. Um, so that can be confusing for people. So, cause most people do associate exercise with that. So for a very long time, I've very much been like, let's just do exercise for all these other myriad reasons to do it. Like, you know, for our mental health, for mm. our bone mineral density, for even like gut health, everything like that exercise is literally like, if you could put it into a pill, everyone would be on it. We'd all be yes. on this like important pill that we had to take every day because the, the benefits are just insane. Um, physiologically, psychologically, everything. It's just so important. But I understand now after that conversation with my dad, why people don't want to do it until they're in a certain body type. Mm. Um, and I think that's, that is tricky. I don't know how we get around that because I mean, I guess you made a good suggestion, which is like, go for a walk, you know, choose to, to up your, your, um, activity mm. rather than thinking so much about like, okay, gym, weight loss, exercise kind of thing until you feel, you know, over time more confident, but it's just like, how do we create a safer space, a, a, a you know, for people who want to come into the gym, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is because I think that I understand, yeah, mirrors, people looking. There's this thing, um, a phenomenon that, that social psychologists study called the spotlight effect. And this happens to everyone, but it basically is wh where we assume that people are watching us. <laughs> um, and this happens everywhere, not just in gyms, but we, we, we over-index on what we think, how we think people are perceiving us and what we think they did or didn't notice. And there's various ways that they've tested this phenomenon. And it's really interesting, but it's like, that is really definitely a thing when you're in a gym, you're staring at your reflection. You feel like other people might be staring at you and it's a really uncomfortable process. For the most part, we know that people are staring at themselves, wondering the same thing, <laughs> like wondering if you're staring at them. And so there's that going on, but it doesn't, it's like, how do you mute that in your brain when you're at the gym? It's very difficult. There's a really good point. I had a client recently finished up with me as well. She's back home and, you know, she lost like around 16 kg and it's not about the weight. I, I never get fixed in the scales, but when she first started, like she absolutely hated the gym, hated the gym. And, you know, I know there's a lot of PTs out there, like, you know, they, they hate the spinning. There's a lot of PTs who, like, do videos and shitting on spinning. I won't say any names, but, and because of that person on that video, every PT is shitting on people doing spinning classes. Well, here's my argument. It's like, my client here, she loves spinning. She absolutely loves spinning. Mm -hmm. So I said, go do spinning. She done spinning. She absolutely loved it. And because of she done spinning, she loved it, loved the environment, loved the sweat, she dropped 16 kg, but because she loved doing it three or four times a week, she then stuck to her, the food targets I gave her because she was she could understand that the, the good food was fueling her body to do the spin that she loved doing. And now she had a point where she dropped 16 kg. And let's say she might drop another four kg and she might, you know what, Paul, I think now it's time to maybe do some do a weight class, you know, and then it could be then a year's time she might go to the gym by herself. So I think like it's all these little baby steps, but this whole thing of like you shouldn't do burpees, you shouldn't do hit, you shouldn't do spinning classes. I think it's I think it's very like bullyish tactic on 
us as professionals because again my client you know she dropped 16 kg from her food was because she'd done spinning that she loved doing but if she was to look at other people's social media she would say oh, i can't do the spinning it's like this pt said the shit i can't do the spinning yeah. I, I think like a lot of people see all this because when you look at in, like instagram like you know you've got a big influence like, i might have an influence we all have different influences and like somebody saying you know spinning is a crock of shit that could trigger someone's head like and then all of a sudden like my client wouldn't have done spinning therefore she wouldn't have stuck to her food target and she wouldn't have lost 16 kg so i think it's how you relate to people and try have to work for them it's not all about we all know if you want to get stronger you know lift um you know tone your let's say shape your body you want to lift weight but for someone it could be a case of they might do a spinning for a year until they gain the confidence to do then a class with weight then build up it's just mad isn't it it's it is you're right and it's a really good point you make and i think like i've certainly in my in my younger days online and even just as a trainer i've made that mistake a hundred percent i've said things like oh no you don't need that you know things like (laughs) even just things like pilates you know i have a real bone to pick with people going to pilates all the time and i'm like it's not doing what you think it's doing. But at the same time, it's like, well, but if you're getting something out of it and you feel good enjoying the burn that they get and, mm-hmm. and they're associating it with whatever they might be, like, who cares? But yeah. also do this other stuff that I'm saying to do as well because there's like reason for me saying to do it and then do your Pilates classes. That's fine. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, I think, by the way, I'm not shooting on Pilates because actually there's a real place for it. I think it's just mm. when it overpromises like weight loss or something like that, that's when I get irritated. But I get irritated when, you know, anything overpromises weight loss and I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. I think we need to probably collectively um, be careful as trainers with what we say and and who who might be reading or, or yeah reading or interacting with that on the other hand the, the other thing that i will say to to anyone listening is you also have to have some discernment when you're engaging with social media that there might be context you're missing about what that person is saying the other thing you have to remember is that <laughs> if you're not if you're not paying for a product um then you are the product. So what I mean by that is on, on online Instagram, like a lot of people, um, like we get excited because we're like, oh, all this free content, right? Mm-hmm. But what we forget is that each trainer that we're engaging with, each fitness professional has an agenda. And that agenda is obviously to push whatever fits in alignment with what they're selling. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that necessarily until... and. Because like, that's how business works. Like every business is going to be like that, right? Mm. I read a great quote, which was um, uh, marketing is just empathy, right? And so I know you mentioned empathy before, but it's like, it is, it's about having, you know, knowing someone's problem and then being able to say, hey, my product might have the solution to this problem. Like, do you feel uncomfortable when you go into the gym? Well, hey, my program addresses this by X, Y, Z, right? So I can probably fix your problem. That's what marketing is. That's how this this world goes around. There's nothing that we can say is necessarily bad about that. Which means that when we engage with content as users, we have to think deeper than just, oh, that person said spinning is bad. <laughs> like yeah. ask yourself, why did that person say spinning is bad? Oh, because they promote CrossFit <laughs> or whatever yeah. it is, right? So you have to just take everything with a pinch of salt and just mm-hmm. say, okay, like, they, and it doesn't mean that that trainer that teaches CrossFit or that pushes CrossFit is bad because they're saying that spinning is bad. It just means that that's their marketing. 
right? Mm. So they're trying to speak to the people who already feel like spinning is shit. And so they're like, yeah, spinning sucks. Don't do spinning, come to my thing. So I, I think we just have to also remember that as users of a platform that is free, that what we're seeing, we have to be able to discern between like, okay, but also they're trying to sell me something and that's okay, I, I'm sell to me. Yeah. Let me see if I'm going to give you my money. You know what I mean? And that's okay. It's just like, I think that's the, that's also been a little bit of the problem with social media lately is that everyone's like, oh, this is so problematic what you're saying. And it's like, okay, well, maybe I'm not speaking to you. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't speak to every single person. And I've, I've gotten into trouble with that myself where I felt like, how do I put a disclaimer for every potential case? And it's caused me to feel like I can't say anything. And then I'm like, well, this is silly because then everyone's like getting really confused. Mm. So it's just remembering that as users, you know, we have a responsibility with anything that we consume, whether it's food, whether it's alcohol, whether it's social media, they're all going to oh, yeah. impact, right? I think it's Hunter, it's all about, again, I think the media is all about the views and the likes and like who can trigger some of the most. And it's like, it's like me and you, do we do BJJ? I do cross. I love cross. And I know that if I do BJJ, I'm probably not going to, you know, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to be able to squat 100 kg. But I know like I like doing BJJ, I like doing cross because it makes me feel better. And if I do that, then I'll stick to my food target better. But I know then if I want to, let's say, want to build muscle to wherever it may be, gain muscle, I'll probably have to go to the gym. And I think that's trying to, again, it's trying to, understand people's goals because a lot of coaches will say i do this you should this you know people might say bj is, is is people just running around in pajamas but me and you like doing it because we, we we have we we've have a connection to it i like my client if she has a connection to like if someone wants to do burpees all day but and it helps them stick to their food target which is going to help them lose weight which is going to help them improve their sex drive and improve the relationship with their partner that's all that matters and that's what i think a lot of people we get so confused on like what the actual goal is and how to get someone there we try to do it this way and then it's like oh i can't say this because i'm going to get called out on social media i think a lot of people on social media are not true to themselves and this is probably good to me because lately like a few weeks ago my content kind of changed because it was seeing what other people are doing oh this pt is mocking someone else i should do the same and i kind of lost my way a small bit but now i'm kind of back on track i'm back doing my reels i'm back doing my long form videos i'm back doing my my post like you know because Hi, what, that's what, what i am as what a person did you feel was the thing what how did it change how did your how did your instagram change probably i feel like that everyone was doing these different videos like everyone was posting up you know oh this is a breakfast roll with 200 calories or this is you know a video of mocking some other coach or mocking fat loss pills and like everyone was doing and i kind of felt oh so i kind of went down that road and then i kind of realized then that that's not me and now i'm back doing my normal long reel videos my reels i'm back doing my posts that actually mean something and i think for me like once you can stay true to yourself for me it's personally is you know it's huge it's it's like at the end of the day like we're on our deathbed or we have is our integrity <laughs> or tr truly so it's like you know there's yeah you have to be true to yourself because you're just not gonna it's not gonna be a comfortable existence it doesn't matter how much fame money all of that stuff you have it's like if you had to um lose yourself along the way it it you never quite feel comfortable with um the money or the notoriety right because you just know deeply like oh this isn't truly who i am this isn't me so yeah it's not a it's not a comfortable feeling for people so yeah it's definitely not what you should aspire to i've had to you know take some time away from engaging with other people um and when i say that i mean like other fitness um it's not just it's not influence i don't want to say like influencers i just want to say like other fitness uh 
personalities, pe people, mm -hmm. because again, it, it is that thing of like, I want to stay connected to what my community needs, not yeah. what the trend for that person or those trainers are saying. And so you have to remember that they're speaking to their community. They're speaking on their message. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're speaking on someone else's message and they also feel influenced by what's going on. But it's like, you have to be true because ultimately you have to remember, and sometimes social media can make you forget that, but you have to remember why you're doing what you're doing, right? You have to remember that you're here for your people, why we got into this, you know, why you got into it. And so, yeah, I think that's, that's a really important, important thing to remember if you're a trainer online, um, with any of that stuff. Oh, it's just so... Oh, 100%, I suppose. And for me, like, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather have like 20, you know, people in the right message and help them. Because my big, again, my passion is, I, I've got a deep passion for what I do. So what I do, you know, what I do is, is probably unique that, you know, I specifically, I, I want to work with specific people, I can help them understand their body and help them get the results they want to get. But I think like, that's the way it's, it's kind of going because you know, a lot of people know what to do with, they just need a kick and, you know, a bit of a nudge, but then a lot of people then, well, let's say if you look at obesity that's rising so so fast like people just need more education especially around like women's health i think like that's such an area that's like there's coaches dabbling in it but there's not many and even if you look at let's say women's health now even like the like um perimenopause menopause like that's such a huge gray area that no one really and that's something that i probably want to work towards but i know when i start going into more perimenopause i'll have to hire like um a uh, psychologist uh, that word gets every time <laughs> it gets everyone i feel like it gets everyone it's so funny i've been saying it for such a long time because i always wanted to be a psychologist but honestly it's it, yeah it's so funny even my boyfriend he really struggles to say it and he's like i can't i've made one of like then we have these like group passwords and like the word psychologist is one of my passwords which i can't believe i'm saying online anyway whatever um but it's in this email and i'm i'm he's every time he's like fuck's sake i just hear him swearing he's like i can't fucking, i don't even know how to spell that word i'm like sorry it's just it's just a hard word but i feel like when i go down that road like that i'll have to hire someone full-time because i know like that's a a different that's a deep area that no again and it's i'm excited for it because i know like as i get older with a lot of my audience now and my clients that they're going to come along with my journey when i'm 50 years old and i'm the person who's talking about perimenopause and menopause like i can relate to a lot more people you know than someone who's 18 saying it but I know like it's an area that no one dabs into because even for now, like I've got some perimenopause clients, but not a many because it's such a, it's such a fine area. Like, cause someone's going through a really critical part of life. And when people like my moments were the same, when I know that people are going through that stage, they struggle so much weight loss, confidence, like their issues they had when they were 25 is now gone five times worse. Like it's five times more. So I think for me, that's a, a, it's an area that needs to be like, it needs a lot, so much more work in it. But it's exciting for like coaches who have a passion for that because, you know, you can, like if my mum, if I if, my, if I could help my mum when she was, you know, struggling, she could be alive today, you know, and that's the impact that I like having because it just takes like someone to actually care about to help you understand all this stuff and help you understand that going through this stage life is normal and someone support you. Because as you say, like you can have a, a psychotherapist, but then, for me, like I've like I've got um, a counselor too, but like I've probably got more of a connection with my coach because as you says when you go to psychotherapist, it's like a label, you're gonna help me fix my mental issues. Whereas when you have a PT who actually cares about you as a person, like I think you have that bond is like it's magical. It's just a different 
quality, right? Like that's the thing that I'm like, I'm kind of like, it, it makes me think about when I finish this degree where I want to take it. And I'm like, yes, I definitely want to move. I, I mean, to be a psychologist, a registered psychologist, I have to move into getting my PhD anyway. I have, I have to go that down the doctor's route because a psychologist is a doctor of psychology. Um, but before that, it's like, I'm like, okay, well, what, what am I, how can I use this before? And it's like, I just really feel like there just needs to be a module or more modules for trainers that are um, working with people on this front. Cause it's like, we yes. have no, like there's just no experience. And the only reason I managed to develop relationships that were more, you know, and I d- did not have the qualifications to do that. And many trainers don't, but it's like, what are you going to say? Like, Oh, sorry. I can't, no, no. Don't talk to me with about your emotions because I can't talk about them because I'm not qualified. And sorry, I don't want to, you know, it's like, no, people still have to be, you still have to be receptive and, like and have empathy for them and and what they're going through so yeah i i think that there needs to be something i think it's really exciting it's definitely like that's a huge motivator for you like that's incredible that you um i mean can can draw on you know a real adverse experience with your mum passing and turn Mm. it into something uh you know that's real alchemy to be able to do that and be able to turn it into something that you can use to, to help other people going through that I think the issue with perimenopause is obviously just as well, like it's, and this is like a whole other issue that probably you would have to address in a totally new new thing, but something that I've just turned 35 and I'm like coming to terms with this whole thing. And this is something that a lot of women feel kind of scared to talk about Mm. because it's a little bit taboo, but when you start to move past like your fertility age, um, and funnily enough, like I'm looking into like fertility and looking into like just looking into my own, making sure I'm still fertile and all these sorts of things. And and because I do want children and I'm looking at it going, OK, um, I'm actually known as like if I was to go into IVF, um, which I thankfully, fingers crossed, I, I think at the moment I don't need to. But if I if I if I wanted to go down that route, I would be known as like a geriatric. <laughs> really? Yeah, a geriatric like like it's geriatric I can't remember the other term but it's like they kind of like classify you as like quite old and I'm like okay 35 I'm like whoa and so this like leans into an even bigger conversation about like how women feel about themselves when they start to move into perimenopause and then obviously menopause and their value to society obviously women contribute much more than just their ability to make babies but it doesn't feel that way sometimes and mm-hmm. particularly not in society. And it's weird because we say all these things out loud and we're like women, women's rights. And like, you guys are valuable in whatever you do. But then there's this subtle undertone of like, you sort of feel like you become a little bit more invisible comparatively to particularly in a heteronormative circumstance um, between like males and heterosexual male and female. It's like, you feel a bit more like, oh, I'm slightly more invisible now because I've moved past my, uh, my fertility phase. And so there's this whole other thing that's happening psychologically. And therefore, if your entire, this is my point that I'm coming to, it took a long time, sorry, guys. Um, but if your whole you know, reason for training was to look sexy for the opposite sex, right? Or for the same sex, whatever it was, if it was to look sexy, but you have this underlying feeling of I'm no longer sexy because I'm no longer fertile, Mm. then that's going to really impact your drive to exercise or your drive to consume healthy food. So this is why we need other reasons. And this is where I think exercise plays a huge role in like giving you other reasons, but this is where weight training can be great or CrossFit or any of those things. It's like, if you love that exercise for the exercise, not because you think it's going to make you look hot in the bedroom, 
then, hey, the bonus might be that, yeah, you'll look hot in the bedroom, but it's not the only thing that is keeping you there. And so this is a big thing that I just, I just really think that people don't really talk about. And because it's hard to talk about, it's hard to say, to honor the reality of some of those things. And also at the same time, try to fight them and say, no, women are valuable. And they absolutely are. I'm not trying to talk myself out of my value just because I might be leaning more towards the side of, you know, not, you know, heading towards my 40s and 50s and all that stuff. I, I almost think women become better, but I can't say that either online. But yes, it's one of those things where it's like, it's a really interesting relationship. So yeah, good luck with dealing with perimenopause because there's like a whole a whole bag of stuff going on. Oh yeah, like it's got, I, I follow um, Laura Bryden. She, I don't know if you had, she, she deals that as well. And yeah, it's like, it's, it's a huge area, but it's an area that I know when I go down that path, which I will, like I'll have to do a lot more probably ed- upskilling my education as well to get that part. And also then hire people who are like quite up there with like that, what you do, like, because I think it's just important that, because same as me, like I've got a mindset coach now, because to me at the moment, like for me as a coach, it's not just for me, it's not good. It's not just good enough, like giving someone a calorie target and giving someone a plan. Like, you know, for me, like I do every Monday, like I do a Zoom training for my clients. Then you have the mindset coach. Like she does a training every Wednesday as well. And she tips in. I think for me, I think it's so important that nowadays like mindset plays a huge part mm. and um i think like for me like it's like I've, i'll have clients who could be you know anxious that could have you know stuff going on and as soon as they, they can deal with our mindset coach and they can be in a better place mentally and then they can kind of because i always say like mental health and physical health should come hand in hand because so much people focus on physical mental on here and vice versa whereas if i can help like my clients like bring two of them up together like that means they're improving the whole life because somebody could have like you know let's say they might have a size and let's say a negative like a beach body as an example or some sort of like body that they think is amazing but in their mental state down here and like that was me like i was a skinny kid that was up here and down here but now now i'm at a point where like you know my mental health is, is in power with my physical and like a lot of people like kind of lack that to try folks in the physical and not mental whereas if you can focus on two together and bring them up like drip feed them it just it, for me it's 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 a far more simple approach but like I've had coach for where you pay him, here's a calorie target, here's your nutrition, see you later. You know, you get checking for him once a week. And to me, it's, it's not good enough because when people come to me or come to us, like, you know, we're basically, we're saving someone's life. You know, I'll come back to my mom. Mm-hmm. If she had me in her corner, I could have saved her life. She could be still here today. Do you know? So as, as like coaches, I think that, you know, we should, we need to like value what we do a lot higher. We're not just about, oh, do this and do that. And for me as a coach, like it's, it's valuing myself that I'm here to actually potentially save someone's life and improve someone's life. But I've had clients who said, Paul, you know, I've had sex with my partner the first time in six years. And that to me is like, holy moly. That's like, that's like no money can like, can pay for when someone says that to you. That's amazing. That's really amazing. I've got goosebumps actually from that story. (laughs) That's insane. That's like, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. I think you're right. I think it's like, and that, and that is sort of social media has so many benefits. I freaking love it. And it, it allows us to put, put messages out there. It's just like, we just have to make sure that we really, as you mentioned before, it's like, stay true to your message, stay true to yourself and, and like hold yourself with a higher regard from the perspective, not from an ego perspective of like, look at how great I am. I'm helping all these people, but more from the perspective of like, Hey, like I do like what I say today in this post or what I say today in this video may potentially make someone think differently about their relationship with exercise or food or something that will positively impact their life further down or the, the not not even just the longevity, but actually also the quality of their life. And therefore, do I really want to just 
um, shit on spinning. <laughs> yeah. Example. yeah, exactly. Yeah, amazing. But I suppose where can people find you and about everything about you? Uh, you can find me, I guess, on my website, just shonavirtue.com. And then I guess YouTube, I'm sort of posting a lot more long form things there. I mean, I obviously have an Instagram as well, shona underscore virtue. Uh, but now I want to get a bit more of my psychological content on YouTube. So I've started writing some of those things and I think they're, they're interesting. A lot of people requested like relationship stuff. So it's really funny. It's great that you've done this <laughs> podcast because it's like a lot of people have interest in it it's the bane of much of our existence is like relationship issues right it's health issues yes but often the health issues are heavily intertwined with, with relationships 100 so. percent mm-hmm. but that, that was amazing great to have you on board thank you yeah, so much look forward to it we finally did it yeah we didn't adios see ya <laughs>